Hello and welcome to part one in a series of videos that I'm putting out where I break down all the fights taking place this weekend at UFC on ESPN plus 13 from a betting perspective. So in today's video I'll be covering three fights including the main event between Jermaine Durandamay and Aspen Ladd. So sorry I haven't been around for a couple of weeks. Somehow I managed to pick up a chest infection in the middle of summer which I didn't even think was possible. It's pretty much gone now, but I still, you know, have a bit of a cough from time to time. So if I end up coughing throughout the video, I do apologize. Yesterday, I actually recorded, as you can see here on my iPad, a UFC 239 review video. Unfortunately, I am, am having a lot of problems trying to upload that to YouTube. I finished recording it at about 1 p.m. yesterday. It is now almost 8 p.m. in the UK the following day, uh, and I still haven't been able to upload it. So I think what I'm gonna have to do is stop doing the review videos for now. It's definitely something I wanna do in the future. In the future, I will do them on a weekly basis, but for the first one I'd done a few weeks ago, I ran into loads of technical issues and I've been loads more technical problems with this video as well because basically I just need to buy a new computer. If I bought a new computer, I would be able to uh, get them up quickly, barely any work, it would be nice and easy. The problem is everything, you know, all my work, all my documents, everything I need to do my work, all my, my programs, it is all on this PC. So if I bought a new PC, it would take a lot of time to transfer all my shit from this computer to a new one. And that takes a lot of time. And because of fight research, don't get that much spare time. So I've been looking at the calendar of upcoming UFC events. There's a, there's a two-week break here at the end of August. Now, I can't sort it out for then because I am traveling to Singapore and Bali during this time. So then after that, the next break in the UFC schedule is not until... Uh, the end or the first week of November. So I think what I will do, I know it seems like a long time away, but Christmas will be here before we know it. What I'm going to do is, in the first week of November, in this break in the UFC schedule, I'm going to buy a new PC, uh, transfer all my shit from this PC to the new PC, and then I'll start to be able to do those weekly review videos again. But they're just... A total nightmare I keep running into technical issues uh, so I need a new computer basically so I will sort that out for the first week of November and I'll start doing them regularly so I know I said I would do them every week but it's just not possible at the moment but I will get back to them I promise so with that being said let's get into the first fight that I want to talk about in today's video which is going to be Carl Robertson against uh, Wellington Terman. So Wellington Terman stepping up to make his UFC debut on around about three weeks notice. Carl uh, Robertson was initially supposed to be fighting John Phillips. Wow so Phillips actually would have been an easier fight for him than Wellington Terman but that is the way it goes. Uh, so Wellington Terman very, very young at 22 years old, so he's going to be making big improvements from fight to fight. But all of his recent fights are available to watch online, so you can you can watch him and, and kind of get a good idea of what he brings to the table. I am just going to play one of his recent fights in the background uh, while I talk about this matchup, so you can kind of gain uh, an impression. Oh, let's make this a little bit bigger. There we go, that's better. So you can kind of gain an impression of what to expect from Terman. So Terman is the guy here in the green shorts. And as you can see, the way that Terman moves, oh, it, it is it is actually worth noting before we go any further. This fight was against Rodrigo Jesus, and it took place uh, towards the end of 2017. So 
This fight took place about 18 months ago, just over 18 months ago. So at 22 years old, he's bound to have improved a lot since then. What I would say is, I won't play these videos in this video, or these fights in this video, otherwise this video is going to end up being really long. But from what I've seen of him in these two fights, it doesn't look like he's changed that much. So even though you would have expected a 22-year-old to have improved a lot since 2017, from what I can see in, in his two most recent fights, he doesn't look that different than what I'm about to show you. So, um, you know, the version of Wellington Terman you're seeing here should be quite similar to the version of Terman we get on Saturday night against Carl Robertson. But as you can see, quite a basic style. He's quite rigid in the way he moves, quite stiff, quite easy to hit. You know, when it comes to striking, certainly nothing special. Now, this guy is primarily a grappler, but from all the fights that I've watched from him, he doesn't have the best offensive wrestling, struggles to get in deep on his opponent's hips. You know, most of his takedowns come from the clinch position. Here we can see him, you know, drive, uh, drive Jesus into the cage to start to work for a takedown. He ends up getting a very, very easy takedown in the moment. In a moment which you're about to see, you know, here we can see he's got control of Jesus's body, his hands connected around his body, and then does a really good job of using his right leg to trip Jesus to the ground. But Carl Robertson is a very athletic guy. It will not be easy to take Robertson down with that kind of uh, a kind of takedown technique. If you remember watching Alonzo Menafield a few weeks ago against Paul Craig. That's the type of takedown defense that, that we see from uh, Carl Robertson. You know, it's, it's not the most technical takedown defense, but he's very strong, very athletic, very powerful. He likes to explode out of bad positions. He's got strong hips, and it's very, very difficult to actually take him down and get in deep on his hips. So his footwork's great, and he's very explosive and athletic. Now, in order to take guys like that down, you've usually got to be able to drive them into the cage connect your hands around their body and explode into a takedown or you've got to catch them flat-footed and cold and have a really good uh, reactive double leg shot to put them on their back. From the fights I've seen of Turman, he doesn't really have either of those techniques in his locker. So from what I've seen, it is unlikely that Turman will be able to take Robertson down. I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm just saying it's unlikely. What I would say is, on the ground, you know, Robertson is making big improvements from fight to fight. He trains with Corey Anderson, but... Terman definitely has an advantage if this fight goes to the ground. Robertson, at the end of the day, is a very high-level kickboxer. That's his bread and butter. He's not a grappler. He's going to want to keep this fight standing. If it does go to the ground, uh, Wellington should have an advantage there. But, unfortunately for Wellington, uh, Terman, like I said, won't be easy to get the fight to the ground. And if we just scroll into the second round here... Um, I believe this is the second round. No, it's not. It's the end of the first round. Let's go into the second round. Here we go. So this is the beginning of the second round. And obviously, Carl Robertson's a very high-level kickboxer, extremely technical, vicious KO power in every strike, throws a wide range of strikes. And as you can see just from the way that Wellington Turnman moves, he's not a natural striker at all. He's quite basic. He's quite flat-footed. Uh, doesn't move his head that much. He is there to be hit, and I think if this fight stays standing, which it probably will because, like I say, Turman's offensive wrestling isn't great, Robertson's probably going to pick him apart and uh, and dominate. And here we can see again, you know, again, Turman has driven, uh, driven uh, Jesus into the cage, start to work for a takedown. Uh, well, that was strange. Well, looked like you need him in the balls then, and the ref... Uh, and the ref 
didn't stop the fight and then uh, then they just carried on uh, very interesting but if we just uh, scroll a bit further on into the fight just towards the end of the second round you just start to see how basic uh, term and stand-up is and that's kind of what i wanted to show you from this video doesn't really carry any power in his hands you know he, he throws kicks but they're not that effective and as he comes forward with his chin up high and exposed, you can imagine someone like Carl Robertson stood in front of him, hits very hard, very technical, very light on their feet. If Turman can't get this fight to the ground, you can just tell by the way that he moves, the way that he reacts to these exchanges, that he's just going to get picked apart and probably knocked out. So we have just said that because of Turman's lack of offensive wrestling, the likelihood is that this fight's going to take place standings. He won't be able to take Robertson down. And Robertson's got a huge advantage striking. Problem is, that is reflected in the odds. If we take a look at the odds here, we can see that Robertson's currently around about, call it an average of 1.47. 1.47 favourite, which is minus 213 for an implied probability of 68%. So to gain any value on Robertson here, you've got to give him a 73% or better chance of winning, which is a bit of a stretch. I do think Robertson wins easily. I absolutely do. But on the ground, he's so vulnerable. You know, if he just slips on a banana skin and Turman finds a way to get into top position, you know, Robertson could be in big trouble. So an implied probability of 73% is a big price to pay. You know, in order for me to pull the trigger on a fighter at those kind of odds with that kind of implied probability, I need to feel confident that they've got an advantage everywhere. And I can't say that. Uh, about Robertson so for me this fight is a clear pass hopefully that makes sense to you at the same time uh, I wouldn't even entertain betting Turman as an underdog he's currently around about uh, call it an average of 2.70 which is plus 170 there's no way I'm betting Turman as an underdog because you know I don't think he'll be able to take Robertson down um, if it stays standing he's probably going to get picked apart and knocked out and he's taking the fight on three weeks notice it's not going to be easy for a young 22-year-old guy to come into the UFC, make their debut on short notice against such a such a dangerous, explosive, high-level striker. And with Robertson being in the gym every day with another strong, uh, strong wrestler like Corey Anderson, he's going to be making big improvements from fight to fight to his takedown defense and ground game. So, um, yeah, easy pass for me. Absolutely easy pass. No point in, uh, in uh, considering a bet on that fight. So now... Let's go into the next fight, which is a Brianna Van Buren against Livia Renata Souza, the Brazilian gangster. So, when I was scanning through all the names uh, of all the all the fighters uh, competing at this week's event, Brianna Van Buren was the first name that jumped out at me as a potential bet. I think she's a brilliant fighter. She's the Invictus Strawweight Champion. She's absolutely excellent. Uh, Brianna Van Buren is the total package. She's a strong wrestler. She has got a high-level ground game. She's very heavy from top position. She always chooses to go to half guard and just chip away at her opponents from top position. She never risks going for submissions over position. She always stays in half guard, which is difficult uh, for your opponent to improve their position or, or, or do much damage off their back or, or threaten with submissions when you're on half guard from top position. So I love that Van Buren does that. Van Buren's also a very technical striker, throws a very diverse range of strikes, high volume striker, she's got great cardio, she trains at American 
and Kickboxing Academy with the likes of uh, Daniel Cormier, Cain Velasquez and uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. So she really does tick every box. She's great in every single aspect of her MMA. She's got a great gym behind her. Former Invicta or current Invicta FC champion because obviously, uh, you know, she won the Invicta Strawweight Tournament and was immediately signed by the UFC. So, yeah, she's the total package. Uh, and I do think she beats Livia Renata Souza. She was, like I say, one of the first names that jumped out at me. And I do think that she wins this fight because, uh, you know, Livia Renata Souza is not the most technical striker. I think the Van Buren is better than her standing up. Her takedown defense isn't that great. And we know Van Buren's a very strong offensive wrestler, very heavy from top position. And because Livia Renato Souza has got a base in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, she's also very happy to fight off her back. So similar to what we saw from Marlon Vera in that second round last week against Nolan Hernandez, she's one of these frustrating fighters that is just too happy to fight off her back, which obviously means you know nine times out of ten the, the, the fighter in top position is going to be winning the fight. So with Van Buren having such a heavy top game, wanting to be in top position, with Renato Souza wanting to be on the bottom to work a jiu-jitsu game, it does, you know, it's stylistically favour Van Buren quite a bit. And like I say, do think Van Buren wins the fight standing as well. Now, my only issue here is if we look at the, the odds, the current odds on Van Buren, She's currently around about, call it an average of 1.83 uh, favourite. Implied probability of 55%. And if we look at the odds on Olivia Renata Souza, currently around about evens, which is 2.0, for plus 100, implied probability of 50%. So the bookies have got it close to a 50-50 fight, obviously, you know, slight margin leaning in favour of Van Buren. And... Um, this is a fight I'm giving some thought to. Um, I'm not going to say I'm going to bet Van Buren yet. I'm not going to say I'm going to pass on her yet. I'm just going to wait and see how the odds develop over the week. Because at the current odds of 1.83 minus 120, I don't think I'm getting a great deal. Uh, and there are a couple of reasons why. First reason being, this is Van Buren's UFC debut. She is, you know... Inexperienced, she's only had 10 pro fights, she's young at 25 years old. Competing under the bright lights of the UFC, it's a lot of pressure on a fighter. And like we always say, a big percentage of fighters when they make their de UFC debut lose. So in order for me to bet on a fighter when they make their debut, I need to see something very special. And Van Buren ticks that box, I do think she is very special. But I also need to get good value for many, I need to get decent odds. You know, one of the last bets I could, the last two bets I can remember that I bet on fighters who made their debut was Vivian Araujo. Obviously, she won. We bet her as a big underdog. She was around about 3.80 plus 280. Looked incredible. Looked great, you know, outside of the UFC. Octagon Jitters didn't play a, play a, a part at all in her debut. She looked great. And also, we bet Mike Grundy when he was around about 2.50, which was plus 150. Looked great outside the UFC. Looked even better in the UFC. Again, octagon jitters were not a factor. But obviously the difference with those fighters were we bet them both at underdog odds. Whereas, you know, and I'm happy to take that gamble. You guys know me. I, I like to take gambles. I like to, to bet on live underdogs. But with Van Buren being a favourite, the risk to reward ratio is not that great. 
So, you know, if we look at the way that the odds have moved on this fight, she opened up at a 2.30 underdog. And uh, last Monday, around, well, almost exactly a week ago, her odds uh, declined in the favorite territory. Now, if you could get, if you got Van Buren at these odds, I think she's a great bet. If you could get, get Van Buren at underdog odds, I think she's a great bet. But as it stands at the moment at these current odds, for me, it's borderline. Just because there are a few risk factors. Like I've said, the debut, de making a debut is a risk factor. Uh, she's also, you know, really small for the division. She probably should be competing at atom weight. She's only 5 foot tall with a 62 inch reach. Uh, Renata Souza is not that much bigger. She's only got a 1 inch reach advantage. She's quite a bit big, uh, quite a bit taller. Um, but, you know, being undersized is a bit of an issue as well. And also, another risk factor is that in many ways, she is a victim of her own success. You know, I know she's got a couple of losses on her record. But, you know, since she took this three-year break in between her last loss in MMA, this was a loss in a grappling bout. But, you know, in this three-year gap since she lost to Amy Montenegro back in 2015, since she came back in 2018, she's absolutely blown through every girl she's ever fought. Like, one, two, three, four, five. Her last five opponents since she took that three-year break, she totally dominated them. Took them down when she wanted to take them down, outstruck them with ease, did whatever she wanted to do to them on the ground. And because of that, it's difficult to assess you know, how she's going to react if uh, Renato Souza hits her hard. You know, we haven't really seen her eat a big shot. You know, I'm not going to say her chin's bad because in the strawweight division, you know, the girls don't tend to lack enough power to, to one-shot KO people anyway. They tend to break each other down with volume. So I'm not saying Van Buren's chin would probably be an issue, but Livia Renata Souza is one of the harder-hitting strawweights. You know, I know she won this fight here by Alex Chambers by guillotine choke, but... This choke was set up by the fact that Souza rocked Chambers uh, just before it, and then she dived on the submission after she'd hurt her with strikes. You know, she knocked out Hamasaki, who's very tough. She was 14 and 1, knocked her out. You know, Hamasaki, very, very tough fighter. And also, she uh, she finished Deanna Bennett with strikes as well. So, Souza has got above average power for the division. She is very dangerous standing. Um,. And we haven't really seen Van Buren have to eat any big shots or, or face anyone standing that can hurt her. So that's one red flag. Also, she does have a very traditional wrestling style, as you'd expect from uh, training at American Kickboxing Academy. So even though it's very difficult to put her on her back, we haven't seen her on her back. How she copes, you know, working her way back to her feet. If she's able to work her way back to her feet how effective she is off her back. We haven't seen that. And a lot of the time, traditional wrestlers, when they're on their back, they are very ineffective. And, you know, Livia Renata Souza has got a very, very good level of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She's very technical on the ground. She's heavy from top position. And she's got a size advantage. And we saw, you know, last week in the Diego Sanchez versus Michael Chiesa fight, how much size matters in, in a grappling-based fight because Chiesa's physicality, his size, was just too much for Diego to handle. So that is another red flag. So I do think Van Buren wins. Um, she is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. She's great everywhere. Uh, I don't love the odds though. I would really like to bet her at underdog odds. So I'm not going to say I'm going to bet her. I'm not going to say I'm going to pass. I am just going to keep an eye on these odds and uh, and see how see how they move throughout the, the, the week. Because what you'll find on a fight like this is... You know, when the wiki cappers come out on foot in force after they scan through win-loss records, you know, they'll see Van Buren 
you know, they'll, they'll they'll see her with a couple couple of losses on her record. You know, they'll see that she hasn't beaten anyone. They'll be like, oh, you know, Caitlin Caitlin Curran sucks. That doesn't mean anything. You know, I'm talking about all the uh, all, all all the morons that the the, the wiki cap fights. You know, they look at uh, a Souza with a couple wins in the UFC, and they might just bet Souza is the underdog, thinking there's value there which I definitely don't think there is at 50% implied probability. And then that would potentially improve the odds on Van Buren for us. So at the moment, it's a pass, but it's, it's a fight I'm keeping a close eye on. So now, if we go into the final fight that I want to talk about in today's video, it is going to be Aspen Ladd against Jermaine Durandame. Durandame has been an absolute money train for me over the years. Made money on her in her last three fights are better to be Elmo's home and Pennington. Uh, will I do it again? Will I bet on uh, Jermaine Durandame to beat Aspen Ladd? Well, what I can tell you is that this is a very, very tricky fight for betting. An absolutely very tricky fight for betting. Very complicated for a few reasons that I will explain. Um, where do I start? I've got a lot to say about this fight, so where do I start? Um, oh, Sorry, guys. Still... Uh, Still not 100%. I'm good, though. We're going to get the full videos out this week. Don't worry about it. Um, but, right. Let's start off by saying this fight could go either way. So if anyone is super confident on either girl, run a mile from them and, and just don't listen to them. Please do not listen to them. Because both these girls uh, can win. There's no doubt about it. It is impossible to feel confident on either one of these girls. And for that reason, straight out the gate, uh, you you cannot bet Aspen Lad in this fight. She's just not a good bet. If we look at her odds, uh, currently around about an average of, call it 1.60, minus 167 for an implied probability of 63%. Trust me, this fight could go either way. Do not bet on Aspen Lad. I'm not saying that she won't win. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is... Both girls have weaknesses that the other can exploit and based on pre-fight research, based on all the information we have available to us right now in this moment, it is impossible to call which way this fight will go. So, if the fight stays standing, there is no doubt that Jermaine Durandamay will dominate. She will absolutely destroy Aspen Lad. Aspen Lad causes a lot of girls problems with her stand-up because she's extremely tough. She's got the cardio, the fight at a high pace for 10 rounds. And she's kind of, I'm not going to say the Diaz style, maybe the Leslie Smith style is more appropriate. But she breaks people down with pressure and volume. Her striking defense isn't the best, but she's tough enough to take the best shots from most female bantamweights. And what she likes to do is just walk girls down, using her toughness, blocking punches with her face, and just pressures them until they break she throws a very high volume of strikes she's very aggressive and she's a nightmare for most female bantamweights because they lack the power in their hands to back her up Jermaine Durandamay not only has the power to back her up she has the power to KO her dead so up until this point in her career Aspen Ladd's been able to use her chin and toughness to walk her opponents down and just walk through their shots. You cannot do that with Jermaine Durandamay. Jermaine Durandamay is considered by many to be one of the greatest female Muay Thai fighters of all time. And this girl, this woman, this excellent athlete, hits like a man 
and I say that with the utmost of respect. M- women's MMA is quite new, uh, you know, compared to men's MMA. And female fighters move very differently to male fighters. You know, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just calling it what it is. When you look at the majority of uh, m- female fighters, their movement is not as fluid as the majority of male fighters. You know, if you watch Aspen Lad, she has a very flat-footed, plodding style. You get the odd female fighter with excellent footwork and fluid movement, like an Amanda Nunes, like a Jermaine Durandamay. And when you get those kind of fighters, like a Cyborg, they tend to do extremely well because they're a level above most female fighters. They've developed that level of technique which just puts them head and shoulders above the majority of girls in their division. And that's what you see from Jermaine Durandamay. Durandamay moves and strikes like Jose Aldo. She is spectacular. So while Aspen Ladd can get away with walking lesser skilled opponents down in the bantamweight division, she can get away with blocking punches with her face. She can get away with her poor striking defense in a walking forward with a high boxing guard. If you do that to Durandamay, she'll get knocked out. It doesn't matter how good her chin is. She will get knocked out. So standing up is not a contest. Jermaine Durandamay will win. So. The question I guess is. If we know Durandamay will win this fight standing. Is can Aspen Lad take Durandamay down? I made up a name and I called her Gerandamay. <laughs> Maybe that should be a nickname. Gerandamay. I like that. Jermaine Gerandamay. Let's get her name right. Let's not be disrespectful. So the question is, can Lad take can Lad take Gerandamay uh, down? Because I've just said a bunch of nice things about Gerandamay's stand-up and how dominant she'll be if, it's, if the fight stays standing. And what I would say is, Aspen Ladd will be just as dominant if she can get this fight to the ground. Aspen Ladd's ground game is excellent. She's superb. She really caused two strong grapplers huge problems recently in Sahara Eubanks and Tonya Evinger. And Evinger, and especially Sahara Eubanks' ground game, is at a much higher level than Jermaine Durandamay's. So, like I say, the question is, can Aspen Ladd get this fight to the ground? Because I really believe... If the fight stays standing, Durandamay's technical advantage is big enough to knock Ladd out. But I believe if Ladd is able to get Durandamay to the ground and has two or three minutes to work in the round, Ladd is so aggressive and uh, and offensive on the ground with her ground and pound and and, and, and advancing of position that I believe that Ladd will finish Durandamay on the ground if she has two or three minutes to work. So, can Ladd get Durandamay down? Well... It's impossible to say based on past performances. What we do know is that when Jermaine Durandamay first entered the UFC back in 2013, her takedown defense and ground game were extremely poor. Extremely poor when she entered the UFC back in 2013. Then she took a couple years off to go and train at American Kickboxing Academy to improve her takedown defense and ground game. Um, When she came back in 2015... She showed great signs that her takedown defense has significantly improved. In fact, in her last four fights since 2015, no girl's really been able to take her down and hold her down. 
her takedown defense looks a hell of a lot better. The problem is, in her last four opponents against Larisha, Pacheco, Anna Elmos, Holly Holm, and Raquel Pennington, none of these girls are particularly strong offensive wrestlers. So even though it is undeniable that Jermaine Durandamay's takedown defense has improved immeasurably since 2013, has it improved enough to keep this fight against Aspen Lad standing? Now, what I would say, based on Durandamay's last four performances, her takedown defense is excellent. You know, she's got very strong hips. She's very athletic. She does a very good job of creating a very wide base against the cage. And... She's so strong in the clinch because of her background in Muay Thai that it's very difficult to take her down in the middle of the octagon because her footwork's so good and she's so explosive and her hips are so strong. So the only way you're going to get her to get her down is by driving her into the cage and working for a takedown against the cage. But because of her Muay Thai background, she's so strong in that position that it's very, very difficult to control her against the cage and take her down. But... Even though none of her past opponents have been able to take her down well since 2013, Durandamay does make rookie mistakes against the cage, which does leave her vulnerable to be, be being taken down. No one in her last four fights have been able to make her pay for those mistakes, but the mistakes are there. So the kind of mistakes I'm talking about, the first mistake is a mistake that a lot of uh, fighters in the UFC make that have a base in Muay Thai. Instead of fighting for underhooks, which makes it difficult for your opponent to control your body and shift your body weight and balance, she goes to an overhook to defend a takedown, which isn't as strong, not as strong as an underhook. So that puts her at risk of being taken down. Another thing that she does is she throws kicks and knees whilst her opponent is trying to take her down. So instead of focusing on getting underhooks in play and preventing them from getting in on their legs or controlling her body to, to be taken down, She'll actually throw knees and kicks in those positions, which puts her at risk of being taken down. And also, another mistake that she makes is when her opponents, again, are shooting for takedowns, instead of just focusing on defending the takedown, instead of focusing on getting underhooks in play and clearing the legs, you'll often see her throw strikes, you know, elbows, punches, knees or kicks, which again, puts her at risk of being taken down. Now... Those weaknesses would suggest that Aspen Lad, you know, being a strong grappler, has got quite a good chance of getting this fight to the ground. But after watching Aspen Lad's past fights, I'm really not convinced. Because even though Aspen Lad is a very strong grappler, when she gets her opponents down, she's not particularly great at getting her opponents to the ground. Her offensive wrestling is very poor. She struggles to get in deep on their hips to shoot takedowns. Most of her takedowns come from the clinch position, from like trips and throws, which is where we said the randomly is at her best, where she is very difficult to take down because of how strong and comfortable she is in the clinch. So the Aspen Lad won't find it easy to get this fight to the ground. Um, the, the main reason why Aspen Lad will struggle to get this fight to the ground is we spoke about her striking style where she's quite rigid and she kind of just plods forward. Well, that rigid, plodding, striking stance also means that she just doesn't have the explosive athletic shot to shoot in deep on her opponent's hips. And when she's up against the cage, she's quite slow and laboured. 
when she changes levels as well to shooting on her opponent's hips which gives the randomly a long window of opportunity to create that wide base with her long frame and get in the hooks in play. So Aspen Ladd is going to struggle quite badly to get this fight to the ground. So with this fight there are just a lot of and a lot of uncertainties which makes this fight impossible to call and no one can feel confident either way in either one of these girls it's an impossible impossible fight to feel confident on now if we if we take a look at the odds i, I said at the very beginning of this breakdown there's no way you can bet aspen lad at odds of 1.60 minus 167 for an implied probability of 63% because i do feel she's going to struggle to get this fight to the ground and if it stays standing, she's going to get murdered. So there's no way you can bet Aspen Ladd as a favourite. If we look at the odds on Jermaine Durandamay, we've got a more difficult decision to make. So the odds on her are 2.50, which is plus 150, for an implied probability of 40%. So to get value on a bet on Durandamay, you need to see this as a 50-50 fight. Current implied probability on her is 40%. If you see it as 50-50, you're getting a 10% margin. And for me, because of the uncertainty, it is very difficult to give the random a 50% chance of winning. Because, if you try and, try and understand my logic here, I think Aspen Ladd will find it very difficult to take the random a down. Because she's not the best offensive wrestler. The random a is difficult to take down. She's got a lot of upper body strength, strong core. Difficult to take down against the cage. Having said that, she does make a lot of rookie mistakes. Like I mentioned, throwing strikes instead of defending takedowns. She uh, she 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 goes to the overhook instead of underhooks. Silly little mistakes like that can cost her. You know, throwing knees instead of uh, focusing on defending takedowns. So her takedown defense isn't bulletproof. And if she makes one mistake in twenty five minutes, slips on a banana skin. And ends up on the ground with Aspen Ladd on top of her with two or three minutes left to work. From what I've seen from their past fights, Jermaine Durandamay will not survive on the ground. And Aspen Ladd will get a finish if she's got two or three minutes left to work. So it's a complex fight because Aspen Ladd doesn't really have the skills to take Durandamay down, Durandamay down. If both girls show up and perform to their full potential, Durandamay keeps this fight standing and murders Aspen Ladd. But if Durandamay makes one mistake, if she slips on a banana skin one time in 25 minutes and Aspen Ladd's got two or three minutes left to work in the round, you know, Aspen Ladd's going to win. So, it's complicated. Do you give a 50-50 probability to the fight based on what I've just said? It's tricky for me because the probability of Aspen Ladd capitalizing on a mistake that the random a makes in 25 minutes which is a very long time and getting this fight to the ground is quite high like 25 minutes is a long time the random a makes a lot of mistakes you know if aspen lads done her homework there are mistakes she can capitalize on to get this fight to the ground so can you cap it at 50 50 for me it's a stretch i don't know i'll let you decide i've given it to you as real as i can like i say Everybody wants picks. Everybody just wants picks. But fighting is very complex. And remember, there's no right or wrong in this game. There's no black or white. It's a very, very 
complicated sport. It's an artistic sport with lots of intricacies and, and, and details you have to pay attention to. And the reality is one of the reasons why we like MMA is it is so complex. It is so unpredictable. And all the information that I've just given you should help you understand why this is such a complicated fight to predict. Why no one can predict it with any accuracy. And if we look at the current odds on both girls based on the unpredictable nature of this matchup, I don't feel like there's a lot of value on either side. So personally, from a betting perspective, this isn't the kind of fight I'm interested in. Just because I feel that no matter who I would bet on, whether it be Aspenlad or Jermaine Durandamy, I don't personally feel like I'm getting a very good risk-to-reward ratio on my money. And for that reason, I'm going to pass. You might feel differently. I hope you do. I hope you are able to use the information I've given you to make a solid betting decision. But for me, this one is a pass. So if you like this video, guys, please hit the like button below. It would mean a lot. And please also subscribe if you haven't already. I promise you, towards the end of the year, I'll start doing those weekly review videos where I go over my betting results and I'll, you know, review every fight on the fight card. But the reality is, I just want to be able to turn a camera on in my car when I'm running my errands on a Monday, talk to the camera, come home, and upload this straight to YouTube. My current setup, it's very difficult to do that. I need a new computer. So I will take care of that in the first week of November when we get uh, get an, uh, the, the next break in the UFC schedule. I'm, I'd love to do it in the break in late August but I'm in Singapore and Bali for 10 days. So I literally have no time off during that time at all. Um, so yeah, I promise you there'll be loads more content coming soon. I've got loads of different types of videos I plan on doing in the future. I just need a new computer to make them happen and I will get that sorted at the end of the year but we'll keep busting out these uh, breakdown videos i'll get the four videos done this week and unless i catch malaria or something like i did last week and uh, yeah take care everyone please like the video please hit subscribe and i'll see you all tomorrow with part two too many thoughts on my mind i can't sleep at night so i just keep writing i don't need no help i don't need opinions so don't waste my time then i just been living online my city don't show me no loving that's fine fuck local radio stations i got more plays than all of these rappers combined i'm going i'm going again i've been going in i'm fed up with so many things i gotta just let it all out i'm talking about the shit they've been talking